All right. Hi, Chris. Thanks for being here. Happy to be here. I've got Chris Gleason here on uh, next episode. This is probably episode seven of my, my little series called Side Note Series. So hopefully, again, this is some helpful material as we're all uh, home and, and trying to remain educated here. Um, Chris, you were highly, highly recommended by Rachel Maxwell in um, the expertise, especially of uh, practicing. And, and we're looking right now to give some student musicians at home some some tips, basically, and some just how-to of what they can actually do at home um, right this minute. So a little bit of my situation I kind of briefed you on. I'm, I'm at a Title I school. Um, I don't require practicing. We, we call it the P word. We don't, we don't talk about it really at school. We do what we can do during the school. We, we can control. Um, I grew up practicing. I, I personally know how to practice myself, what, what works best for me. Uh, but now I'm in a place where I actually kind of feel pretty inadequate to guide some students because we just don't live in that world. Um, and now I'm also in a students where my kids are a place in, where my kids are actually saying, I want to practice now. How do I get better? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so a lot of us are f- uh, familiar with your, your TEDx talk on um, Oshkosh there. And you speak, there, there's a, a big point in that where you talk about Sir Ken Robinson and how farmers and teachers, they can't necessarily make something or someone grow but they can provide conditions for growth. So if you wouldn't mind talking first about maybe how our current situation, how our current conditions have changed (laughs) in a sense, besides the obvious. Yeah, no, it's, and it's true. The, uh, the conditions um, are different, aren't they? Um, But you know, even though, even though it is different, there are still similarities, meaning that there are some basic rules that I think um, allow us to become intrinsically motivated. And I think Ken Robinson would probably say that same thing. Um, And not only him, but like Dan Pink, if if you read a little bit about him, he's got a great Ted talk too. His, his Ted talk, he talks about there are three things that really um, help enable intrinsic motivation. Um, Meaning that you do something not to get something, but because you just get a kick out of it, right? That you're really truly interested in it. And he says the three things are autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And I think that's really important that even though we're in behind screens, you know, and we're social distancing and all that, the truth that even if we were close and we saw each other every single day, that fundamental law of intrinsic motivation is still there. Mm. Meaning that, we like, as human beings, like to have some choice. We like to make choices. I mean, think about Disneyland, right? We like to go there because it's not like you must ride this ride first. You have all these different worlds you can go to, and you go on whatever ride you want to. Think about how Disneyland would be horrible (laughs) if they said, (laughs) you have to do the teacups. That's first. And then you have to do that. But then think about our school day. I mean, in some respects, that's what we say to students. We say, you're going to math first and you're going to English. And don't get me wrong. I mean, there's got to be organization to it. Sure. But we all like choice. I mean, that's why we like college too, in a way. It's because we're like, I'm going to choose that class. And then I want to go to this one. And so having a little autonomy, a little choice is powerful. So, you know, one thing that, you know, as a, when I was a younger musician, um, one thing that I really enjoyed is when I had an option like to choose the solo I wanted to work on or 
to choose what I wanted to do in the lesson book or, you know, what scale to play. And having just a little bit of choice within like a structure helped me a little bit. So mm -hmm. when I work with my own students, sometimes I don't tell them what to do. I just say, what do you think is next? Like, okay. what do you think is the next important thing to do? Um, and out of maybe all of these pieces, which one would you find the most appealing to you? So the choice is important. Um, the mastery part is just getting better at something that's important to us. Um, and hopefully, you know, music plays a role in our lives and we find the importance behind it. But we also realize that it's not easy. <laughs> right? To be a musician means that you got to get better at skill. And we can get into that, you know, specifically. Sure. But that motivates us to know that we've gotten better. So something I do with my students sometimes is we go back and listen to old recordings. Mm. Um, or we think back to what it was like when we first started. Um, you know, like poor trombone players sitting there playing hot cross buns and they play the first note and then they freeze because, you know, that was a lot of work. And then it's like, wait, sixth position, uh, say two, breathe. You know what I mean? And we as teachers sit there like going, dude, it's hot cross buns. All yeah. three notes go together. But in a young child's world, it's a lot of information, you know, and and then the last thing Dan Pink would say is, you know, it comes down to um, relevance, purpose, right? To understand why. Like, why do we play scales? I mean, what's the point? Mm -hmm. And the thing that you'll realize is that when you watch a professional musician, like recently I saw the United States Marine Band, right? And they happened to come through our town. And so I watched rehearsals and so on. And I was just in awe of not how well they played, which was amazing but it was the eye contact and they were playing something they hadn't played very much. I mean, they were just reading a new March for that night's concert, but they were all staring at Colonel Fettig, the conductor. And the only way they can do that is by building up automaticity, mm -hmm. which means like in their brain, they have, they've uh, myelinated and I can get into these words in a little bit, but it's like they built up a capacity so they don't have to think about it. And that's why we play scales is to build up this automatic feature so that when they're looking at this march and they see scales, it's easy. It's like tying your shoes. You don't think about it anymore. You know, you think about a little kid tying their shoes. It's like loop. Oh, crap. What do I do next? You know what I mean? <laughs> so they can't multitask. They, okay. can't, they can't think of multiple things. Now, these guys have played their instruments for so long that, playing another Susan March, you know, they can, they can think at a really high level and notice and listen. And that's what we're trying to do. And that's one of the reasons why we do scales and we practice that much is so that we're not buried in the music. We're not staring at the part. Think what, what band directors do with young sixth graders or fifth graders in band, right? They keep yelling at them, look up, look up. <laughs> and these four kids are like going, I can't, I, there's too much going on, right? That was a long answer. Sure. No, no, it's, it's, <laughs> it's great. Well, and it, it does make me think of a couple of things because I think the challenge with, with this that I'm having right now is, you know, not that I'm trying to challenge you on this, but, you know, this autonomy thing, absolutely. Um, but it's interesting the times that we're in now because we were thrown into it <laughs> with little to no prep, you know, and again, that's not a surprise from anyone there, but um you know, that's, that's the part now that's interesting because I think, yes, we all want that choice and now we have it. 
and we're, you know, it's that Starbucks effect where you look at 900 things on the menu and you go, oh, just coffee, just coffee. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's the part where I'm, I'm thinking with myself that, you know, listening to you now, like trying to, you know, maybe me as a teacher, I have to almost make a smaller menu for my students then. You know, which is not necessarily the illusion of choice, but hey, here's to make it easier. Here's the Panera bread you pick too. Boom, boom, boom. In that sense, there. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's um, it's paralysis through analysis. Um, yeah. It's the feeling of going to Costco and seeing a thousand different options. You know, it's it's like Amazon though too. I mean, it doesn't help us to have so many options. Um, it's better if it, it gets limited down to, you know, like a smaller subset. But yeah, that is really difficult to have. Um, it's almost like curating. Okay. Right. You need to curate the information and say, I see all of these great, potentially awesome programs that are online, smart music, note flight, you know, and you don't throw all of that at your students and so on. Cause it's too much. You say, you know what, right now, the most important thing is this and here's why, you know sure. what I mean? And then I'm going to give you, and that's what we've done a little bit over the last uh, you know, week or two with my own students. It's like, okay, here are four really cool things. You pick the one that seems to be the most important. And guess what? They're all good. Okay. <laughs> They're all great options. But I've curated it so that it's like you get a couple options and any one you do is going to be great. So then that segues in, into my next question there, which would be, you know, again, we're in this, this maybe Daniel Pink, Alfie Cohn world now where grades, I'm not going to say they don't matter, but they are much different than they were before, which again, could change some motivation for, for some people. But, um, so that being said, where you gave, you know, maybe a choice of four things to those, those students, um, what would be your suggestions on, on things that maybe kids either need to, or some choices that they, um, maybe need to do or could do um, to improve their musical skill at home? Is it scales? Is it articulation? Is it sight reading? Is it something I'm not thinking about there? Well, I think it's up to the teacher, you know, and, and that's a, and it's one of those things that you have to be careful of, which sure. is you don't want to give all the choice to the students um, because it's kind of like, okay, some people will say, do you let your students choose like what you're playing in bands? You know, mm -hmm. like, do they make all those choices? And I'm like, no, because they haven't analyzed the music. Sure. And so if you haven't analyzed the music, then you're not going to necessarily make a great choice. So I think it's really important that they get choices within a sandbox that are safe. Um, now, when it comes to what should they like the content, what, what, what are the fundamentals? That was one of the first things I actually did, which is I sat down with a blank piece of paper and I said, okay, looking at the environment that we're in, kind of getting back to the Ken Robinson, what's the most important thing for us to do in, in our situation? And I kind of go back to Maslow, not to throw out yet another author or another mind on this, but Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I think is more important today than ever. And that is, um, you know, physical needs are on the bottom, right? Food, water, um, safety, right? Mm -hmm. um, security. And I think there's a lot of students out, out, out with us right now that, um, and teachers and adults that are struggling with that. And so I think we have to take care of that first. I think the social and emotional wellness is important. So my number one goal was make a connection with students. Okay. I just want them to know that there's an adult that loves them, that cares about them, and that they can call me, they can text me, we can Zoom whenever, 
and let's just chat. If we got to talk things out, we talk them out and we try to figure this out. Like where's the next meal, all that kind of stuff. That's got to be number one in my book. Nothing else matters. Yeah. Then above that, now we're looking at making connections and knowing that we're part of a community. Um, self-esteem is the next level up with Maslow. And so I thought about, okay, how can I get that to happen? And that to me was like through Zoom calls like this where we're connecting people. And, you know, the kids had choices of like, we'll do Hat Bay. <laughs> we'll do, you know, some of these other kind of just fun favorite movie day, whatever. And it's just us talking. Sure. Um, and then I'll pull up some, you know, a great piece of literature, you know, a, a Maslanka symphony or something. And we just listen to a little chunk of it. And I just say, what do you think? Would you notice? Mm-hmm. And we just talk. We have a talk over some music. And now above that, now I want to care about them as musicians as well. You know what I mean? So I'm taking care of some of their emotional needs, making sure that they're physically okay. But now I kind of get at that self-actualization to me, which is like, now let's build some skill again. And so when it gets to that, we talk a little bit about building myelin, okay. how our brain works, and then what fundamental skills, like if you do nothing else except you know this on your instrument, what things would be the most important? And we talk about Remington exercises and long tone and articulation. And like if you do nothing else, let's build on those fundamental skills. And if you want to go above that, okay, now let's talk a little bit more. What's the next step after that? Okay. And that, and that's interesting. You bring that up because I, in, in my notes that I have, um, you know, quoting you in, in your talk where you said, we need to excite students into engagement rather than coerce them into compliance. And, and again, I look at the times now where if a kid doesn't want to comply, they X out and <laughs> there's uh-huh. that. But, you know, I've, I've seen on, on your social media platforms, you using things like Flipgrid, et cetera. So, um, so basically, you know, what it sounds like there is you, you are creating still this, this culture of, of excitement, this culture of connection, as you said, this culture of caring, and you're still seeing even on the digital platform kids that are maintaining, um, you know, practice, if you will, or at least instrument engagement, uh, if, if we might call it there at that point. Yeah, no, it's, and again, it gets back to the relevance piece, Sure, you know, and so everything that we've asked them to do so far Um, you know, our big thing was let's get together maybe two times a week as a group, as a family and, you know, let's make it fun. Let's hang out and stuff like that. I mean, we tried playing on Wisconsin, sorry, Wisconsin. (laughs) We just for fun tried it all together. And I mean, it was just horrible, but you know what I mean? They were all smiling and laughing and having a good time. Um, but we talked about, you know, okay, what's the next step as far as getting better? So we made a goal of doing one of those virtual bands online. Sure. And we're using Brian's great stuff that he did with Smart Music Now. And so we're using that as kind of a tool. And we're going to, we made a goal. We said, okay, three weeks from now, we're going to submit our recordings. I'm going to put it together. Um, Brian's going to actually pop into our Zoom meeting on oh, Thursday cool, cool. and say hi to the kids. So I think there's ways to build excitement. And to, again, keep it relevant, but engage them. Like, you know, it's that idea of Ken Robinson said, you know, curiosity is the engine of achievement. Yeah. And and it's fascinating, too, I think now, because at this point, at least what I'm seeing from my kids is that what what I always thought was a super high level of now I want to play my instrument. Now I want to do this for my own enjoyment. And it's, it's interesting, at least where I'm at, because now that's the only thing. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, there's not this resource of the band library at school and this, this structured rehearsal and, and everything there. So, you know, absolutely very, very helpful. Um, so, you know, again, as I look at this going on with, with my kids, I always think about what the next step is. So talking to you right now, you know, immediately right from the start, it's, it's getting the engagement going and it's, it's maybe just getting that, as I said, that small menu out there. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a scale, it's a sight reading, and then you, you know, play, play a tune from the radio or something. Maybe it's the, you know, perfect five minute practice session or something like that, that, that can go, but. Yeah. And maybe it's, you know, I'm going to steal this from Dr. Tim. He just did that great, you know, kind of short video. And he talked about uh, play a tune for someone who made a difference in your life. You know, Mm -hmm. like if you have a loved one that helped give you that instrument, then play a short little recital and send it to them. Um, Play something that you could send to a person in a nursing home. Okay. You know what I mean? Like we just had students write letters to some of the people in the nursing home because, you know, they're, they're enclosed too, you know, and they don't have that connection. So how can we reach out? and do some of those things. So yeah, get creative and, and, you know, have the kids generate some ideas too. Like what can we do as musicians to help right now? Yeah. And that's, and that's a great, I, I saw you do that too. And I should have, I should have asked you about that, and, but you brought it up. So, you know, cause I always, I always look at that, you know, you just talked about purpose and, and I always look at music as being something special where we have a very unique way of providing community service. Even a parade is community service. And it's, I mean, we're, literally making people happy walking down the street and, and, and playing. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to steal that one with the, the nursing homes. we got plenty of them around here that could uh, certainly get some spirits lifted there. So, yeah. you know, the final one too, not to throw a bone at you, um, but my situation, maybe some other people's situation is we have kids that don't have instruments at home. We were, you know, like many uh, places sharing tubas or berry saxes. Um, I know, I think all my tuba players have mouthpieces at home, but I'm hearing other schools right now where those kids didn't get to take instruments at home at all. You know, do you have any suggestions for those, those students or programs to kind of at least maintain uh, a little bit of their, their musical chops, if you will? Yeah. I'll never forget when I, uh, you know, I thought it was kind of a hot shot going through high school, you know, I was in those all state groups and all that. And I got to my first tuba lesson um, with my uh, university tuba professor. And he looked at me and he goes, good, put your tuba down. And I'm like, oh no. <laughs> Said, uh, he looked at me, he goes, sing it. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I can't look tuba player. You know, I'm not going <laughs> to sing that. And I got to tell you, he told me always to sing it and then buzz it. Okay. Cause he said the real instrument is the mouthpiece. He goes, the tuba is the amplifier. And so it's the same with any brass instrument. And so the thing is, is that um, and, and with woodwinds as well, I mean, if you can sing it, if you can hear and audiate that, that pitch in your head and you can make it musical here, the best musicians I've ever heard, you know, or have seen are ones that can sing. We just had the Japanese, uh, all female, uh, high school wind ensemble come and work at our high school before they played at Midwest. And what did they do? They sang everything. Mm. It was amazing. And I'm like, it, you know, that just reinforced that idea. So musicians, uh, you know, if you don't have your instrument there, then sing something, you know what I mean? Find one of those, find one of the pieces that you um, are playing or going to play in the future and so on, go on YouTube and then sing along with it. You know what I mean? And like October by Eric Whitaker, sing along with it, find something that's gorgeous and sing it. Now, after you're done singing it, now buzz it. 
Now buzz it, you know, and tuba players, I know you go through a lot of air, you know, close up a little bit, give a little resistance, close sure. up the, the end of the stem just to give a little resistance. But those kind of things, you know, and do the breathing gym stuff. You can never work on your breathing enough like that too. But wow, I tell you, you can get so much better by actually taking what seems to be a detriment and you actually make it something that will make you better. Because once I started singing and buzzing, it all got better. Well, and you'll probably come back with just an incredible ear for intonation, pitch, and oh, <laughs> everything absolutely. we do that. You know, I, I talked with a couple of percussionists yesterday, and it was funny because they said, how do you practice at home without percussion instruments? And they said, well, that's what we have always done. You know, no kid owns a timpani set. No kid <laughs> owns yeah, all this stuff. True. So uh, very fascinating with that. Well, Chris, thank you so much for, for uh, your help here. And uh, definitely excited to share this with my kids and, and um, help them uh, kind of move forward through all of this here. Well, great. Well, thank you very much. It was fun talking to you and, um, and hang in there, children. It's all, it's going to be, <laughs> it'll be over soon. Thanks, Chris. You got it. All right.